Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Hey everyone, welcome to Shut Up Show again. We have the amazing, insightful, inspiring, and ultra-marathon running Peter Shankman with a cat who may show up or may not, who's getting skinnier. No, I'm both, both the cat and myself are getting skinnier. It's a lovely. That's, yeah, me too, Peter. I'm I'm at 10k, man. I'm not quite an ultra marathon yet. I'm not an ultra. I'm an Ironman. Ironman. Oh, I'm so sorry. Ironman's perfectly logical. Ultra marathoners are idiots here. Oh, right. Yes. I so think the Peter, same thing too. Yeah. So Peter's just on the right side of crazy. Exactly. Which is why we love him and why he's on the show. So welcome, Peter. Welcome, Kitty Kitty. Good to be here. Cool. Cool. So, Bernie, I'm sure that you did a great job of stalking Peter. So I always like to let you kind of <laughs> lead in, and then we'll jump to questions. So go ahead. Well, yeah, I don't have too much to say this time uh, because actually, you know, Peter. Peter is new in my network, but Peter, you you hijacked a tweet. Uh, Chris Brogan was on our show, as you know, a couple of weeks back, and I, uh, he, yeah, and he tweeted something along the lines of "Shut up" and and the link. That was about it, and within minutes, all of a sudden, Phil and I see Peter Shankman in the stream, hijacking the tweet, and we're like, who, what? <laughs> but uh, we were so stoked, because obviously we both know uh, very well of the work that you do, and we have high respect for you. And the fact that the Shut Up Show is about brave entrepreneurs coming on here to talk about the moments of fear, and the times that it seemed like the failure was, was going to be so paralyzing they could never rise above it, um, it was so awesome that you agreed that you wanted to be on the show because I think someone like you, who's very well known, um, hearing about all of the horrible experiences that you went through and how you're able to break through to the other side, Phil and I and the audience are so excited to have you on the show. So again, thank you so much for uh, reaching out to us. Pleasure's mine. I mean, thanks for having me. You know, for me, it's it's really funny. Um, I love fear. Fear is the thing that keeps me going on a regular basis. And I enjoy uh, things that put fear into you. You know, the more things that put fear into you, the the more exciting your life can be. You know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean ignore fear. You know, fear's there for a reason. But to be able to use that fear and grow from it, uh, very few things are as powerful as that. Yeah. So how, Peter? How, how how do you develop that mindset? Even that's a really good piece of advice. That fear is kind of where the fun begins. But how in the heck do you get there, man? What scares you? You know, the first question is what frightens you. What what is what is something you'd never possibly do? You know, I, I, I'm a skydiver. Um, most people tell me that's crazy. You know, they'd never want to jump. They'd never want to do this. Um, I do it because the fear and balancing that fear actually makes me a better person. 
I can be stronger. Um, I can be more creative. I have better dopamine versus serotonin levels when I jump. And for me, that's worth challenging my fear. Find out, find out what scares you. That, now understand, that doesn't mean risk for the sake of risk. You know, risk for the sake of risk is pointless. Um, calculated risks for a calculated reward is one of the smartest things you can do. Right now, my current calculated risk is I just got the 15-minute warning from my Mac that my battery's almost dead. Do I risk the battery dying, or do I take you on a tour of my apartment as we plug in? I'm going to go with do the last do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I don't want to see that apartment. <laughs> so I'm going on. I'm going for the ladder, and we are going to plug in. That's cool. That's cool. But that's a really good point, Peter. You have to. You have to at some point calculate where the risk exists and what risk you're willing to tolerate for what benefit, Dave. There we go. Now we're plugged in. I agree. You know what else is interesting is that when you look at. Um, the concept of, of risk, you know, in terms of what it is, you have a lot of people who spend a lot of their time avoiding risk. And that's fine. You know, I, I, don't, I don't give grief to people who don't want to take risk. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I heard a very interesting quote a couple of weeks ago that, that I've heard variations on it. And it always sticks with me. Your comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. You know, I've always loved that. And the concept of, of building on yourself usually involves risk. Most scary things do. Um, most great things do. So you have to ask yourself, what's better? You know, I, I know people who are very comfortable in their comfort zone, and they don't need to make a... Uh, a mark. A friend of mine is an accountant at BlackRock and you know BlackRock Investments and she loves her job and she's good at it and she has a small little apartment in the city and she loves it you know and she's a cat and she goes to the movies and goes to the theater and we're running partners and she runs with me and she's very happy with her life and who the hell am I to, 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 to begrudge her that and to say oh you should do something more you know but the flip side is she doesn't bitch about it She's happy. She does what she does. The problem comes when people bitch about it, you know? Oh, I can't. I hate what I'm doing. Then change it. Well, I don't, okay, then you don't have the right to complain. Imagine if you took all that energy that you're wasting when you complain and put it towards actually changing something. You know, I, the best quote I ever heard was, if you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree. <laughs> Yeah. So, so why, do you, Peter, you, as an entrepreneur, as someone who started a lot of cool stuff and consults with a lot of cool companies from big to small, what do you think stops people from moving? What do you think is paralyzing them and keeping them in place as though they were a tree? I think there are two very specific things. The first is the concept that people are afraid of what other people will think about them. 
I grew up in Manhattan. I actually, it's kind of cool. I can show you that I actually grew grew up 20 blocks north of there. So I don't know if you guys can see that view, but I grew up in the Upper West Side, Manhattan, and I was a public school kid. And I learned very quickly that there are always people that are going to mock you, that are going to make fun of you. You're not going to please everyone. And I'm very fortunate that I learned that. I learned that at a very, very early age, you know, you do what's best for you, and you focus on improving yourself. Um, if you're constantly sitting there not doing anything because you're afraid of what other people are going to say, it's going to be a very short and boring existence. Um, you know, everything that I've ever done, every, every company I've ever started, my success has come because I haven't listened to the haters. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean don't have people that are smart, you know, that you can... Uh, work with that that will advise you, but there will always be haters, and ignoring them is beneficial. Appreciate that you have them because if you have haters, it means you're doing something to change the status quo, and that's a good thing. But understand that the concept of haters, you know, if if you let them define you, you'll you'll never do anything great. So I think that's the first thing people are afraid of what other people will think. I think the second thing, which is just as important, is um. We're, we're pretty much designed as a culture to embrace the concept of safety. And, and not just because there are too many lawyers in the world, but because, you know, as a species, when we found something that worked for us, you know, this place has fresh water and abundance of edibles on the ground and we can hunt for wild game and we're satisfied here. As a species, there was no reason to move. Um, that's very ingrained in us, you know. I have a job, I do it well, I have direct deposit, there's no need for me to rock the boat, there's no need for me to move, and again, that's fine, but you hear a lot of, oh, I, I, I hate my job, then do something else, oh, well, you know, I'm comfortable here. Comfort, as comfortable as it is, for lack of a better word, is actually a, a, um, a hindrance, if you're comfortable. Think about that pair of shoes that you know you should throw out, because it's, it's, not doing any help for your feet, but they're so comfortable. And if you get a new pair, you have to break them in. You know, breaking in is tough. If you don't have to break stuff in, why do it? But, you know, so so comfort and, and fear of what people are going to say. Fear of failure as well. You know, I'm a huge fan of failure. I love failing. Um, failing means that, you know, I've learned another way not to do something. Um, it's a guy at IBM who blew a $10 million deal, very risky venture, and he prepared his resignation, and the boss said, I'm not going to fire you. I just spent $10 million training you. I want to make sure you learn the right lessons. <laughs> you know, Peter, it's it's so interesting. You know, Phil and I recently had a backstage episode where we were, like, seriously talking about, like, really raw and honest stuff. We talked about depression. We talked about divorce. We talked about downsizing many, many times over, and... I guess, you know, kind of the question I have for you, and it's sort of a comment and a question. Um, I have found that the people that I have talked to who are very successful now, very, very fulfilled in their lives, have talked about a time when they were younger when they used to be chicken shit. Pardon my French. Um, <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even say younger. I mean, for a lot of us, that's that's happened right, very right. recently or is even still right. happening. So, I think, so, I think, that's the question I have for you. Do, 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 is when you go back in time, no matter how far it is, 
have you found that you were at a place where you used to be a scaredy cat, that you used to be afraid of things, and then you kind of transformed and grew into this braver entrepreneur? Um, have you been, were you built this way, or is it kind of a combination of both? If you could take us through that. I think, you know, who's to say that I've, I've grown into anything? Who's to say I'm not still afraid? You know, I, I, won't, I won't jump with skydivers who claim they have no fear because they're dangerous. Skydivers that have no fear can hurt you. You know, if they don't have fear and they don't respect the sport, you're jumping out of a plane from two miles above the ground, you kind of want to respect that. Um, you know, I, I, I checked this morning, the government shutdown actually does not apply to gravity. So the concept of, of having fear, I hope that never goes away. And, oh, look, there's my mother-in-law in the background. <laughs> That's, it just, the fun just never ends at the Shankman house. Um, so we will, we, will, we will move again and get out of their way. But, yeah, this is, you're just getting an entire tour of every room. I remember the day when I bought this place, and it was mine. That was an awesome experience, too. And then I got a wife, and then I got a child. Um, now I have half a closet. It's pretty cool. So let's go back to that concept, the concept of not having fear. I have fear every day. I don't ever want to wake up on a day and not be afraid of something because having fear is what keeps you moving forward. Being afraid of, of what, you know, I got a five-month-old kid now. The kid is, I love this child. Um, and it's really not that hard to raise her. She, you know, I look, it's very basic. She's crying, okay, something's wrong. Is your diaper wet? Yes, change it. Crying stops. Okay, your diaper's dry. Are you hungry? Feed it. Yes, okay, crying stops. You're not hungry. Has your arm fallen off? No. You go through this list of things. So I'm not afraid of that. I'm afraid of things that I can't control. You know, um, is the economy good? Is, is, you know, is there going to be another terrorist attack? Is the economy going to go to shit? Am I not going to be able to pay for your college? You know, and the problem there, though, is that, is that you can waste so much time in your life worrying about things you can't control. So you worry about the things you can control. You change them and make them for the better. And things you can't control, you just live your life. It's going to happen whether you can or cannot, so I'd rather not waste my time if I can't control it to begin with. But having fear, I do believe, keeps you going every morning. It gets you up. It says, okay, you know what? Um, go do more. Um, I have an incredible fear of being fat again. Uh, some might say of just being fat, period. Not, not again, as in I still am fat. I don't, I don't know. But I'm dropping weight, and I have this incredible – you know, I've, I've had dreams where I ate – I ate a small planet and all the weight came back overnight. You know? <laughs> um, I'm, I have that irrational fear like I have one slice of pizza and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and not be able to fit in my jeans. You know? so, but that's an irrational fear. I know that. But how to make sure that fear doesn't affect me? I run every day or I bike or I swim or I do something to prevent that fear. And that, I think at the end of the day, that's the key. You know, if you can continue to, to do things to prevent the fear, then having the fear is good because it means you're constantly working to beat it. And the more you're working to beat it, the better you become. I love that. And and Phil, you know, you've heard this quote before, but we had our friend John Hayden of Inbound Zombie on our show um, on a previous episode, and he said that action is the biggest middle finger to fear and doubt. No question. I love <laughs> that. I love that. Um, you know, and again, we have fear for a reason. You know, we had, we were given instincts as, as a species. 
You know, that thing has very large teeth. Go away from it. That was an instinct. You know, we were given that. Um, that ocean has very high waves. Do not swim in it. Um, that woman is a gold digger. Do not date her. <laughs> whatever, whatever it may be. And, and, <laughs> and, we, and we learned by instinct. But, you know, the joke behind that and this is a great line from the movie The Devil's Advocate where, where Al Pacino gives that speech, you know, God gives man instincts and then sets the wheels in complete diametric opposite that, you know, instinct says if I eat that cake, I'm going to get fat. But that cake's so good! You know? <laughs> so we're constantly fighting that fear, but I think that if you, if you understand the benefit, look, if I thought I was going to die every time I skydived, I wouldn't die. I wouldn't dive. I wouldn't jump. But the premise is I know I'm safe. And I'm taking that calculated risk because the payoff is worth the the reward is worth the risk. And I think that you know, and everyone says, "Oh, you know, you're a risk taker. You're crazy." They're looking at it as non-calculated. Calculated risks have moved the world. Calculated risks are the reason everything good that we have in this universe is a result of a calculated risk. I agree. Couldn't agree more. Um, I have one more thing, and Phil, I'll turn it over to you after this. Um, it's really, you You have obviously gone through a lot of fear moments, and I guarantee you, you probably failed than, you know, Phil and I combined, because uh, you're definitely, <laughs> you're definitely more successful in the wallet than I am, you know, for Thank sure. You. But anyway, but, but can you think of a time, because I know that there are a lot of times, but can you think of a time, the, the, the true defining moment when you were completely gripped with fear and you almost gave up? And, and as you think about that time, can you help walk us through your mindset and then what you did to take action and step out of that fear to get to the other side? Yeah, I can think of a couple of times, actually. Um, mile, mile 86 of the bike course of my first Ironman, I was doing the math in my head, you know, when you when you run an Ironman, it's it's all about the math. Well, if I finish the run in this time, and the bike in this time, and the swim in this time, then I can make this much time, and I can do this, you know, because if you don't do it under 17 hours, you're not an Ironman. They actually turn away from the podium, and they will not count your time. It was like mile 88, and I'm on the bike, and I was gripped with this fear that I wouldn't make it. I was not going to finish the 112 miles, and then I wouldn't even be able to start the run, and I wouldn't finish it, and it would be after dark, and my parents and my girlfriend at the time, and everyone flew here to make this thing happen, and I'm letting them all down. And, and I was so gripped in fear that I actually felt my speed on the bike slipping. I was actually slowing down because I didn't have the energy to pedal because I was so consumed with failure, with this fear of failure. And I don't know what it was. Something kicked me in the ass. I said, you asshole, your, your options here are worry about it or just fucking pedal. And, and, and either you're going to make it or you're not, but sitting here like a little bitch, you know, is time that's slowing you down. How is this helping you at all? And I remember I'm in Mexico, right? It's Cozumel, Mexico. I'm on the back of this island. There's no one there, and I'm cursing myself out. In English, I'm, I'm surprised I wasn't arrested, um, but I got back. But I, I got my speed up again, and sure enough, I finished the bike course uh, with more than an hour and a half to spare, uh, and I finished the Ironman. And yeah, it was just that. It was just that that moment of oh my god, I'm gonna fail. 
and then the, the moment of, well, you know what? If you fail, you fail. If you don't fail, you don't fail. But one thing is for sure, if you don't start pedaling again, you're going to fail. Um, there's a great line in the movie, The Thomas Crown Affair, where, um, and the new one, where, uh, where, uh, uh um, help me out here, guys. Uh, British, he was Bond. Um, Pierce? Pierce Brosnan. Thank you. That was a brain freeze. Where Pierce Brosnan, in the Thomas Crown Affair, someone, he sells a company and someone says, you know, you finally had to sell something. You know, you have any regrets about how you played it? And Thomas Crown looks at him and, you know, impeccably adjusts his tie and says, Regret, gentlemen, is a waste of time, as is worrying and as is gloating. Have you figured out what you're going to tell your board when they realize you paid $30 million more than anyone else was offering? And it's that, it's that whole, yeah, fear and regret are a waste of time, especially when there are other things you could be doing to get over that. You know, um, I was having this conversation with my wife. Oh, I have to present this thing and I'm really nervous. Well, embrace that and learn from it, but... You know, either way, time's going to come up, and you're going to have to present. So you can spend your time going over your notes, or you can spend your time worrying about going over your notes. Um, what's that quote? Um, look at all these people hating on me like they don't have... No, look at all these people jealous of me like they don't have the same 24 hours I do. I love, love, love that line. Yeah. We all have the same amount of time, probably the same amount or less fear than others, like they have less possibly than we do. It's just how we handle that and how we deal with that and how we how we channel that, right, and kind of grab it by the balls and move it forward with us instead of thinking we can leave it behind, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, your, your options, you don't have any options. You know, what, what's the line from um, Die Hard 3? And, and you'll, you'll realize that any conversation with me is peppered with like 50 You're a movie movies. buff, apparently. Really? I love it, love it. Uh, <laughs> everything on a plane, everything on, everything I watch on on, movie, on, on planes, uh, from, from I just spent the last eight flights watching the entire season, the entire uh, one through nine seasons of The West Wing. Um, but what's the great line from Die Hard 3 where uh, Bruce Willis says to Samuel L. Jackson, you've got to help me, it's in your neighborhood. And Samuel L. Jackson looks at him and, in typical Samuel, classic Samuel L. Jackson fashion, man, all I have to do is stay black and die. You know, and it's, it's the concept. All we have to do, all we have to do, right, is live, pay taxes, and die. Those are pretty much it, or even pay taxes and die, or even just die. What you choose to do above and beyond that defines who you are. I choose to start companies because it's exciting. I, just, I started a new company six, eight weeks ago, six weeks ago now, Shankman Honig, uh, Shankman Honig, it's a uh, consultancy that works on customer service. I put a lot of money into this company. It might fail on its ass, but you know what? I learned something if it does, and I will use that to do something better. And to me, I'm not afraid of it failing. I'm afraid of it failing on my not learning anything from it. As long as I learned something from it, it wasn't a failure. Wow. And that's not saying I'm going to fail. Right. No, 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 of course not. So, so that's interesting. So, well, you've talked about fear the whole time. So instead of, we usually close it with, what are you afraid of now? But you've talked about that the whole time, Peter. Instead, what I'd love to hear is, so this new company, this new thing, what are you most excited about? How is that going to change the world in a, in a new way? That's a great question. Essentially, so when I ran Help a Reporter out, um, and then it was acquired. I realized that the reason it was acquired was because I built this audience of like a quarter million, 300,000 people who loved what I built and really used it. And whenever they had a question, whenever they had a comment, 
you know, I sent out 300,000 emails or, or 900,000 emails a day. They all came from Peter at Shankman.com. So when you had a question or you had a, a, a problem with Howard or you had a thought, you just replied. It wasn't do not reply at whatever or this email isn't monitored. It came to me. You know, the week before Christmas, I spent 90% of my day clearing out 300,000 out of office replies. But it was worth it because people got to talk to me. And so I built this bulletproof audience. And I realized that, that in the society we're in today, we spend all this time advertising and marketing and promoting ourselves and shouting from the rooftops how awesome we are. And we're screaming, oh, follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And blah, 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 blah. Here's a thought. Provide stellar customer service and everyone else will do it for you. You know, and I, I realize that no one believes how awesome you are if you're the one that has to tell them. If I go into a bar and I go up to you and I say, no, you don't know me, but <laughs> I'm just amazing in bed. You know, yeah, you're going to throw your drink right at me. Um, and you're going to go back talking to your friend. I know this because I've done extensive research on this. That's exactly what you're going to do. Now, if <laughs> but if I'm sitting at the bar just playing Angry Birds, right, and someone else is over there and they say, holy crap, that's Peter Shankman. Oh, my God, he's amazing. You should totally go talk. At the very least, I'm getting your number. That's successful public relations. That's successful word of mouth. No one believes how great you are if you're the one that has to tell them. So I realized that, and I wrote this book that just came out, Nice Companies Finish First. It's my third book and my first bestseller. I'm very excited about that. But the whole premise of the book was that companies that are nice, that focus on their customer service, that focus on their marketing, that focus on treating customers well, treating the environment well, they tend to have a 10 to 40% higher revenue than the same company who doesn't. So when the book came out, companies started calling and saying, hey, you know, can you help us be nice? Can you help us with our customer service? So I created this consultancy with my partner, Rachel Honig, and the concept is to create customer service that rivals that of the 50s. You'd bring your car in to get gas in the 50s. They'd check your oil. They'd run out. They were all in pressed, clean uniforms, this whole thing. And, you know, good luck getting that today. You know, good luck getting any. We expect to be treated like shit. You know, we, we, we go to um, the, the, the fast food place. We expect them to screw up our order. You know, we go to the dry cleaners. They, we expect them not to have our stuff ready. Treat your customers one level above crap. Here's the amazing thing. It doesn't even have to be good. Just one level above crap, they'll come back. Treat them five levels above crap, they'll become loyalists. Loyal customers come back. Loyalists drag 15 of their friends. So we're working with companies on ways to, to make their customers become loyalists. The biggest problem we're having is that we did a study. 80% of companies believe that they provide stellar customer service. Only 8% of, of those companies' customers believe the same thing. So we're going to CEOs and we're saying, hey, so um, you suck. And they're saying, no, we don't, we're awesome. We're like, no, really, you suck. Look at these Twitter, content, you know, look, look at what people are saying about your lack of customer service. And so we're learning to, to beat that. You know, we're learning to teach, uh, we're learning to teach CEOs, hey, here's why you suck. Here's what we can do to improve that. And by the way, when we improve that, here's a massive increase in revenue for you. And somehow I'm not surprised if the things that you're teaching them, the strategies and tactics, are probably pretty commonsensical, That's right? A, they so are. You know, I, I, I tell the story about Verizon. Verizon, 
I will continue to say bad things about Verizon literally until I'm put into the grave. I want my tombstone to read, Here Lies Peter and He Hated Verizon. Um, <laughs> I, I go to Asia and I, um, I'm sorry, I go to Dubai. And before I left, I made sure I had international roaming on my phone. I get to Dubai. Yes, sir, you have international roaming. You're all set. I get there. Um, I'm not even off the plane yet, and I get a text that says you've exceeded $200 in roaming charges. Uh, I wasn't even off the plane. I call Verizon. Oh, yeah, you know, sir, you do have global roaming. I'm like, okay. But it doesn't work in Dubai. Like, well, you know, that's not really global roaming. It's more like hemispherical roaming. I said, so I'm in Dubai for a week, and I'm going to London. What can we do here? Well, sir, you know, the, you do have access there. It'll cost you $20.48 a megabyte. I go, right, that... That's that's not gonna work. So what can we do here? Can I give you a thousand bucks and I'll pay up front? Well, sir, I'm not authorized to do that. Can you give me two thousand, sir. I don't have permission to do that. I have to follow a script. So I shut off my Verizon phone. I went to the local mall in Dubai, bought my exact same phone, unlocked, bought a twenty dollars SIM card. Verizon's not getting a penny from me for the next time I travel overseas. I'm doing next twelve months, eighteen trips overseas. Wow. That's easily five grand Verizon could have got if they just had the forethought to let this somewhat intelligent customer service guy think for himself. So a lot of what we're doing is script shredding. You know, you don't have to rely on a script. Your customer, your employees want to help you. They want to make things right. They want to do good by you, and they want to improve your business because they know that improves their job. Let them. Just stop tying their hands. So that's huge. Um, and we're having some really good success. We've had some great. We've been talking to a lot of companies. They seem to like us. Um, again, the hardest thing we're having is convincing the CEO that it's necessary, but we're starting to make movement in there as well. And we're only six weeks old, so. Wow, six weeks? <laughs> oh, That's man. awesome. So, Peter, last <laughs> question, buddy. How do, we, uh, how do we find more of your awesome? How do we make sure that we stay connected with you? Because certainly no, six awesome weeks right old is uh, tough. Yeah, please don't take your shirt off. Thanks. Uh, if I lose another 30 pounds before the Iron Man, which is what I would do, I'll come back and I'll take my shirt off. Um, and I'll go on record for that. The um, so you could find more of my awesome. I love that. I've never heard it called that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my wife tonight. Honey, make me dinner, and I will give you some of my awesome. <laughs> I'm laughing not so much at my saying that, but I'm laughing at just imagining her reaction to be like, "Shut up, Peter. Go go change the baby." Um, I'm at Shankman.com. Uh, I bought that domain back in 1995. When my father said, $75 for a domain, you can't even hold the thing in your hand. What are you wasting your time with that for? And, of course, now my father is Ira at Shankman.com. My mother's Nancy at Shankman.com. My wife is Kira at Shankman.com. My baby is Jess at Shankman.com. Um, so Shankman.com holds my life. It holds my blog. I tend to rant uh, on pretty decent topics. Yesterday morning I posted a blog post that said, um, if you want to meet me, I'll gladly let you pick my brain. I'll buy you coffee. I'll do whatever you want, but get up earlier because I'm not doing it after 9 a.m. I loved that post. Thank I, you. That is in my buffer to go out. That is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm sick of, you know, oh, well, can we meet at 2? No. No. Yeah. Because if I'm working, that means I have to leave at 1.30. I'm not back till 3. You've just killed two hours of my day to pick to pick my brain? I don't think so. You want If you want my attention, you're willing to get up at 6 a.m. for it. Um, so I, I write a lot of stuff there. I have a calendar there, shangman.com slash calendar, which uh, tells you where I am. Um, I'm constantly on the road, but uh, I am always willing to meet someone on the road for a cup of coffee or a chat or whatever. I will be, next week I'm in D.C. and Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati, Cleveland, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Shit, I'm one of the two places. You're this is why I haven't seen. Oh, and by the way, uh, Peter has ADHD. Squirrel. <laughs> so. um, it's actually funny. The reason I hired my assistant was because I I uh, I was invited to speak in Singapore, and I booked my ticket. It was the first time I'd been invited overseas, like '05 or something. I was really excited, and I booked my ticket, and I get to the airport. I'm like, here's my ticket, and they're like, hi, Mr. Shane, where are you going? I'm like, go to Singapore. Okay, um, you going to Singapore? Yeah. So there's a ticket to Shanghai. I was, I was so shocked. Yeah, I was actually so shocked that I did that. I looked at the woman, and honest to God, I went, are they close? Can I rent a car? No, you you can't. You can't rent a car. $4,000 mistakes. Now I have an assistant who does everything, but she she does my calendar. But yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Cleveland. Uh, yeah, it's Cleveland. It is Cleveland. So Cleveland, then DC, then Bangkok, then Hawaii and Tokyo. So if anyone wants to get together, any of those places, reach out. I'd love to get for some coffee. Awesome. Well, thank you, Peter Shankman, for skydiving and uh, Iron Manning and. Be giving us a tour of your apartment. We appreciate it. <laughs> you met my cat, too. We did. We met awesome. the family. So, yes. cool. Thanks. Did you know The Shut Up Show has a store? Go to theshutupshow.com slash store and check out the awesome digital products we created just for you. Also, if you're a content creator, you've got to check out our sponsor, Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. Seriously, simple selling. Go check them out today.